yes, I do my duty, yo. While up in the club, like we while in the studio. You don't wanna violate, nigga, really and truly, yo. My main thugs, nigga, be loony, yo. He loony, yo. Type of nigga that'll slap me with the toolie, yo. Bitch, nigga, scared to death, absolutely, yo. Fuck that, look at Shooty, she a little cutie, yo. The way you shake it, make me wanna get all in the booty, yo. Top fist, just in the banging bitches and videos. While up with my feet, like we up in the freak shows. Did you with the shit, make you feel it all in your toes? Hot shit, got all you niggas in wet clothes. Style of my metaphors when I formulate my flows. If you don't know, you fucking with never go play a pro. Like, all right, y'all, what is going on? This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place we can say what you want as long as you got them facts. Today, uh, we have a few things to talk about. Uh, we will be underway with some NBA playoff action in just a little bit, probably in less than about an hour and a half. Uh, so we're just going to preview that real quick. Of course, we're going to talk about uh, the Clippers just for a little bit. I might have a... A, a year in report card for them if I could fit that fit that into this week so we'll talk a little bit about them later on in the week uh, but just a little bit of a breakdown of what happened in game 7 my opinion and um, for the first time maybe ever but maybe in just a long time on this show I'm gonna have my first prediction for the NBA finals in in a while or ever so we'll get to that uh in at the end uh but let's get into some baseball uh, i wanted to uh get into the standings right now we're in the middle actually yeah about the middle of the week so i wanted to talk a little bit about that and then we have a news story news story to go over there and then of course i have some week one awards for the nfl to give out as well for the teams for a couple of teams and a couple of individual performances as well so let's get into it like i said with some baseball news and it looks like the mets will be under new ownership uh they recent well they were recently bought by hedge fund billionaire steve cohen uh he purchased them from the will pond family uh they are an investment group out of the new york city area uh they do a lot of uh, real estate pr property development I, i'm guessing in the city and probably in the state of new york as well but that's pretty much where they come from um but they originally bought the team in 2002, and I believe that price was $322 million or $332 million. And like I said today, uh, it was just sold for $2.42 uh, $2 billion. So, um, again, Cohen gets 95% of ownership now, like I said, for the $2.42 billion. Uh, his original stake was at 8%, and now the Will Ponds would just control their 5%. Uh, but they will also uh, maintain their majority stakes uh, within the team, the actual regional network for the baseball team, which is SNY, and that is at 65%. So they're still going to be bringing some money in and all that. And this has been called the largest sale in baseball history. Um, and it kind of is surprising. Uh, you wouldn't think the the Mets will be a team, I guess, turning a profit because of who they are. Uh, they've had some recent playoff, I guess, runs. I would say the latest being between 2016 and 2018. Um, correct me on the year if you can. Uh, it was either 2016 or 2017, and I can last remember possibly 2018. Uh, but again, they've gone to the playoffs a few times. They haven't really been deep. Uh, enough. I think at one point in 2000, right before they were sold, I guess, to the Wilpon family. Uh, yeah, that would be 2000. Um, they did go to the World Series to face off against the Yankees. Uh, they did lose in that series, but I don't think they've been close since then. Uh, but again, so it's really surprising to me that this team is as profitable as it is. It is currently one of the most popular, uh, sorry, not popular, 
let me scratch that, but profitable teams in Major League Baseball, and they increase uh, their value by 9% annually. That's not a whole lot. That's actually middle of the pack, but again, they already have so much you know, value anyways. A stock within, actually shares of that team are now worth $97 million, so they might not be that good on the field. The product may not be that good on the field, but for some reason, uh, they're making to, uh, you know some some profit. Uh, now, with that profitability comes from comes some debt, uh, which Cohen inherits from the Will Ponds, and that will be one over one billion dollars, and that's including the uh, the debts that have been cured with the team. Um, I'm not too sure about the TV network as well, but I know the team debts and all that. You know, they do have to pay back some loans and all that. I was reading up on that. So again, they're in a lot of debt, but I guess they're doing all right because of you know just the, so much. The profit that they're making at least they're being able to pay everything off uh so nothing really else major outside of that uh like i said a new owner uh for the mets so let's get into the standings uh, we're going to start off with the national league this time in the national league east at the number one spot we have the braves here they are 29 and 21 right uh, behind them you have the marlins at two and a half games back at 25 and 22 up next we have the phillies they are at 504 games back from the leader at 24 and 44 and rounding out the bottom we have the Mets at 22 and 27, and then at the bottom, this is a, a surprising team here. Of course, they were the World Series champions last season. Uh, the Nationals, they are 18 and 29 currently. Uh, they're they're dealing with a whole lot of injuries. Uh, a couple of them to be uh, a couple of them um, that they're dealing with is dealing with. Well, one of them was is with starting pitcher Steven uh, Strasburg. He's currently dealing with a well. He's currently had surgery for a carp, for a form of carpal tunnel. You also got a uh, second baseman Sterling Castro that they got during the off season. He's dealing with a surgery on his wrist, so he'll be out for the entire season. You also got Howie uh, Kendrick dealing with some injuries as well. Uh, there's a ton of injuries to the bullpen as well. And outside of that, they're just dealing with some difficulties with who they have on the field right now as well. Uh, for example, uh, starting pitcher Max Serger, he currently has an ERA over four right now. So again, they're struggling all over the place. A lot of that has to do with injuries. And of course, you know, I, I'm, you know, pretty certain. You know, coronavirus didn't do them no favors as well. But let's move on to the Central Division where we have the Cubs on top. They are 30 and 20. Uh, the Reds are behind them. They are five and a half games back at 25 and 26. Up next, we have the Cardinals at 22 and 23. Uh, now we have the Brewers here and the Pirates here rounding out the bottom. The Brewers are 23 and 26, and the Pirates are 14 and 34. I'm not too surprised about the Pirates. They have been struggling the past few years. Uh, but I'm a little bit surprised about about the Brewers last year the Brewers were so uh, much in contention I don't I can't remember if they actually ended up winning uh, the division but I think they ended up getting a um, a wild card uh, but just to see how the Cardinals are struggling but then again this is one of those teams that have had multiple players test positive for Corona uh, and they've had to step step out for a while as well so it's a little bit you know it's a little bit you know, rocky right now, but it looks like the club, the Cubs are in definite control of the division right now. Five and a half games up. I don't see the Reds really changing that uh, just yet. But let's move on to the West. We have the Dodgers on top, 35 and 13. Uh, I've, if I'm not mistaken, they've already pretty much clinched a playoff spot. Uh, they're, you know, running away. Well, no, they're not necessarily running away with it. They were at some point in time. But the Padres, they have made it close. They're three and a half games back at 32 and 19. Up next, we have the Giants. Yeah, they're 10 games back. 
uh, they're 500 though, uh, but they are 24 and 24. And then rounding out the bottom here, we have the Rockies at 22 and 26, and also the Diamondbacks at 19 and 31. Let's move on to to the American League, starting in the East, where we have the. Uh, I'm sorry, we have the Rays here on top. They are 31 and 19. Up next, we have the Yankees at 20, 28 and 21, three games back from them. Uh, up next, we have the Blue Jays, just four and a half games back, so they're close in a way, uh, but they're 26 and 22. And then round out the bottom, we have the Orioles, who are at 527 and 27. And then we have the Red Sox here at 18 and 32. Uh, off to the Central Division, this is probably one of the biggest surprises of the year the Chicago White Sox, 32 and 7. Team, uh, we're gonna have to go into a, this team a little bit deeper just to kind of figure out why they're here. So look out for that as well, because I'm I'm amazed as well. Uh, maybe it's just coronavirus. Maybe this team, uh, just the situations regarding all that. Maybe it's just this team coming together and rallying and having some overlooked gems we haven't noticed yet. I haven't noticed yet, so I'm going to get deeper into that team later on. We're going to figure out why they're so good. In the second spot, we have the Twins here at 31-22, and 22, just two games back. Uh, they were pretty much uh, vying for, you know, the top of the division last year, so I'm not too surprised about them. Same kind of thing with the Indians. They were kind of in that race as well. Actually, it was the Indians and the Twins last season. Uh, so the Indians on the third place right now. They are 26-23, and 23, but they are six games back. Uh, three games above 500, though. But at the bottom Bottom, we have the uh, the Tigers here at 21 and 27, and then we have the Ro uh, the Royals here at 21 and 29. Out west, we have the A's. Uh, they are on top of the division, 31 and 19. Uh, they are six and a half games up from the Astros, who are actually a game below 500 at 24 and 25. Uh, then we have the Mariners here at 22 and 20, uh, 22 and 27, eight and a half games back. And then at the bottom, we have the Angels here and the Rangers. The, uh, the Angels are 20 and 30, and the Rangers are 18 and 31. Uh, as far as you know, what I see coming out of the American League in terms of the playoffs, I definitely think uh, the A's have a good enough lead to the point where we could feel a little bit confident. Uh, you still have some time. Of course, the Astros have a you know have a you know recent history of winning. They could get hot. Uh, they have a decent enough uh, pitching staff to do so. Their bats haven't necessarily come alive just yet, uh, but the A's are looking really good as well. Uh, the question is, though, I mean, even if we get it, this is a team that, you know, even with this roster, uh, we've been, you know, touted as a playoff team for a long time. If we get there, can we get past the first round? Because we know we got to have to play the Rays. Uh, the Rays were the team that beat us last year in the wild card game, if I'm not mistaken. So, again, you know, we're going to, you know, and then maybe we ha might have to shock, you know, the Chicago White Sox or something, a really hot team like that that nobody has really been expecting. So, um it's looking very interesting in the in the AL, especially with Chicago being so good. You got the Twins right behind them. I think the A's, as long as you know um, the Astros, you know they kind of stay inconsistent like they've been. I think the A's can hold on to that playoff spot, that number one spot there, and then we'll have to look at the seeding as we go. All right, y'all, let's take a, a quick transition. We're gonna get into some of this NFL talk for a little bit. I wanted to go over my Players of the Week award for Week One. Uh, I'm gonna give uh, one to a play. Well, I'm gonna this is I'm gonna represent both the conferences in this one. So a player from the NFC and a player from the AFC is gonna get re uh, represented this week. And um, in the NFC, I wanted to actually highlight uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, like I said last time I was up here, uh, 
Very vintage performance from him. 32 of 44, 364 yards. He had also had four touchdowns and a 40 to 30, 43 to 34 win at Minnesota. Um, what I definitely liked about this performance was that he was able to spread the ball around. You have multiple receivers getting touchdowns, up to three of them, and um, no turnovers. So he seems to be in sync. Uh, whatever drama there might be there, um, he seems to have focused it. We don't know. You know, again, this is just week one, uh, but it's, you know, it is against a rival. It is against a team that, you know, has gone to the playoffs. So, um, you know, in the in the Vikings. So, again, a good chance, a good shot, you know, at week one to see what Aaron Rodgers still has. I still think he has enough left in the tank. Um, I see big things from them this season, honestly. If he can stay healthy and stay motivated and, you know, not frustrated by what Lafleur has got going on or whatever, you know, they don't have any friction. Uh, he seems to be getting along with his receivers. I don't think that was ever really a problem. It just seems to be, in my opinion, it's just the coaching and maybe the front office is which he kind of has his issues with. Uh, but let's move on to the AFC. I'm going to go with the rookie running back, Clyde Hedward. Edwards Hilaire, he would have 138 rushing yards and a touchdown versus the Texans. Uh, what I liked about this performance is that he had 25 carries and no fumble uh, issues. Uh, the, the significance of the 25 carries, in my opinion, is the fact that if you count in uh, very limited practice and training camps because of what we've had so far uh, with the coronavirus issues, and you also count no preseason, uh, that's 25 big league carries to almost a smaller, what you would almost call a balanced running back who can do some catching out the backfield as well he's not your prototypical running back uh that you would think but he turned in my opinion 25 carries shows that you can also be at every down back very essential to show and showcase in that very first game and he also has big playability i believe that one touch the touchdown that he did get was on some sort of a big uh rushing play so again he has that big playability and he can play every down uh, to show that in week one again on national TV uh, again versus a playoff team. Again, this is not the same Texans as last year, but again, they have they this is a playoff team. Uh, so for him to do that again, 25 carries in the pro style. You can't you can't beat that. I give him AFC player of the week. Uh, my best wins of week one, in my opinion, I'm going to give it to two teams here. Uh, I liked both of these wins really well. I don't have a favorite between them, but they were really solid wins, in my opinion, for a couple of different reasons. Uh, some of them, actually similar reasons, actually, but let's get into it. Uh, my first one is in the NFC. I'm going to go with Washington, uh, defeating the Eagles 27-17. to I like this one because I really enjoyed looking at the defense from Washington. Um, they have so much ability to get to the quarterback. They have so much depth there at the defensive line. Forcing eight sacks, of course, uh, the young buck, um, Young out of Ohio State, he was able to get one. Uh, Chase Young was able to get a sack. Of course, Montez Sweat, the second year, uh, you know, defensive, dangerous defensive end that they got out of Mississippi State, he got a sack as well. And they just stayed uh, in, in, you know, the face of Carson Wentz all day. And they also forced him to throw it's two interceptions as well. And, um, you know, another thing that they didn't talk about was they kept Philly, Philly to just 57 yards rushing. And um, looking at this game, um, especially added with the fact that uh, Dwayne Haskins, uh, he made no mistakes. He might have thrown, you know, his numbers might have been a little bit underwhelming. He did just throw for one touchdown. Uh, but the fact that he didn't throw any interceptions, especially near the end of the game where it was crunch 
lunchtime, uh, you have to give him some of that. So I'm going to say that, you know, definitely uh, the Eagles have issues. Uh, there's issues that you might have with Carson Wentz. Uh, there's uh, questions about who they have in terms of their receivers and all that. Uh, there's definitely questions that uh, the Eagles have to answer for, but the Redskins won this game. It wasn't necessarily just the case of the Eagles, you know, whatever issues they may have or whatever. And, of course, Carson Wentz has been in the news, of course, since this game. But, again, people have talked about him and how Jalen Hurts is watching over his back. Regardless of that, Washington forced eight sacks. Washington scored the points when it, they needed to. And Dwayne Haskins did not turn any turnovers, turn the ball over. Washington won that game. It was more Washington winning and beating Philadelphia as opposed to Philadelphia losing. That's what it was. So I'm giving them the nod with that one. Um, and then in the AFC, I'm going to go with the Steelers. Steelers beating up the Giants 26-16. Again, um, a lot of questions were asked. There was a balanced offense, a balanced approach by the Steelers. Uh, over 200 yards in the air from Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, I'll get to him in just a second. He also had over 100 yards on the ground from the rookie running back, Blake Snell. Uh, so, again, balanced offense. They seem to be working on all cylinders, in my opinion. Big Ben still has something to give. 21 of 32, but three, as like I said, 229 yards uh, and also three touchdowns. And is this uh, a formation of maybe a steel curtain 2020? Really, really decent uh, defensive showcase, in my opinion, from the Steelers. Three team sacks. Uh, they were able to force two overall turnovers, and they were able to keep the main the main offensive threat from the Giants. Uh, you know, Saquon Barkley to just five yards. I don't think every team on their schedule, on the Giants' schedule, does that. For example, I don't think Philadelphia can do it. We've already said that. But I think Pittsburgh can. Pittsburgh has a little bit something different to offer defensively. I think they're, you know, they have their questions. They're going to work out their issues. I think they have a decent enough running game between Blake Snell and that committee with John Connor. You also got a group of receivers there that seems to work. Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, you also got James Washington to back up course they have a tight end or two that they could probably fit in there and it just looks like Ben Roethlisberger can play he's healthy so uh, I like the way that they look um, I think they're definitely just looking at with you know with how good the Ravens are right now they're definitely looking like a wild card team in my opinion already kind of week one I would almost jump on a on a ledge and say Washington looks like the same thing as well. So these were very telltale games to me. And I honestly, as a fan, um, not necessarily a fan of the teams, but just a football fan, I really enjoyed uh, watching both of those teams play in week one. Uh, but let's move on. We're going to wrap everything up for now. Let's get into these NBA playoffs. Ooh, sorry, guys. Um, but let's talk about the Eastern Conference Finals game one. Uh, the Heat were able to pull that one off 117 to 114. Of course, they now lead the series one to zip. I believe that game two is coming. That's the game that is coming on tonight in just a little while now. Uh, just about maybe a half an hour or so, a little bit under that. Uh, but the leading scorer for them was Goran Dragic, 29.7 rebounds and four assists. Jay Crowder would assist the Heat with 22 points of his own and five rebounds. And Jimmy Butler would have 20 points and 5 rebounds and 5 assists as well. Uh, Jason uh, Tatum would be the leading scorer of, from both teams with 30 points, 14 rebounds, and 5 assists. We also got Marcus Smart contributing 26 points and 3 three rebounds. And Kimba Walker would have 19 points, 6 assists, and 3 
rebounds. Uh, some takeaways from the game, uh, Miami would have the edge in rebounds, 41 to 37, and also assists, uh, 32 to 24, but they also scored 50 points in the paint, so of course, uh, they're getting balance in their offense, they're scoring from everywhere. Uh, Miami would outscore Boston in the fourth quarter, 35 to 23. Uh, again, a few turnovers from Boston, uh, but again, I just think they just got, it's not a, it's not so much they played really sloppy, I just I think for what it is, uh, the Heat just outpaced them. They just started making more buckets. And again, 50 points in the paint. This is already a team that has some depth that can shoot uh, some three-pointers, can shoot some jumpers, uh, you know, on a, you know, they get, you know, can, can get consistent at that. So uh, Miami, good way to, you know, start off the series. Uh, I, like I said, I have a prediction for you guys in just a second. Uh, let's go over uh, the Western Conference semis, of course, game seven. I have not really talked about this one just yet. Um, of course, the Nuggets won that one, 104 to 89. Uh, they won the series four to three. The leading scorer in that game uh, was Jamal Murray, I believe, leading both. Yeah, leading both teams in terms of scoring with 40 points. He also had five assists and four rebounds. Nikola Jokic uh, just really surprised me with everything he can do, uh, and really putting on for all big dudes everywhere. Big men stand up. Yes, this is our day. Jokic, you are you are our president. Big dude president, big and tall president, six over six feet and over 250 and up. Y'all raise y'all fist for Luca. He doing it for us. He's doing it right now for the big boys, the Huskies, the fat guys, all us. Actually, not even, well, yeah, fat guys too. But this for the Husky bros. Huskies and all that, he's doing it. I swear, triple-double guy, I can't. This guy is amazing. Even when he doesn't score hella points, it's just like 22 rebounds. I'm like, God damn, 13 assists from a big ass center what the hell is this bill russell again is this bill russell 2.0 come on fam I, i'm just saying i'm wait till this wait till this prediction jeremy grant and gary harris uh would supply 14 points uh between the both of them so each of them would have 14 points jeremy grant would have five rebounds gary harris would have six rebounds um I want to say Michael Porter Jr. had about 11 to 13 points, but don't hold me to that. Uh, and as far as the Clippers is concerned, tis, 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 y'all. Uh, Montrez Harrell was a leading scorer uh, with 20 points. And, um, yeah, that tells you somewhat of all you need to know. And he also would have three rebounds to that. Kawhi, 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 Kawhi. Uh, 14 points and six assists and six rebounds from him. Let's let's get into this. Um Let's, let's just do it. Uh, Denver killed LA on the boards for one, 53 to 37 advantage there. The Nuggets would turn the ball over almost 40 times, though. That's, again, when I saw that, I said, no, LA has some serious, you have some serious fucking issues, LA. Seriously. L Clippers, Clippers, fans, fan base, the city of Los Angeles, the Clippers have a fuck. If you can f have a team get into 40 turnovers you know how many points on the back imagine if you scored on 25 of those turnovers come on come on y'all and maybe they did score on those turnover turnover you know forced turnovers or whatever um not all of them don't seem like and i saw the highlights uninspiring basketball they didn't clippers didn't do shit clippers didn't do shit L.A. would only score 18 points in the third and just 15 in the fourth. 
Paul George and Kawhi counted the zero. How the fuck does that happen? I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you my opinion just a little bit. This is the fifth time in seven seasons that the Clippers have lost a playoff series after holding a series lead. There's some issues there. I don't know what to make of it. Maybe it is Doc Rivers. Uh, you could say that this year, you know, but this year, you know, looking at the, the sum of all the parts. Okay, here's another stat here. L.A. was outscored 181 to 117 in the second half of all the closeout games in this series. Paul George and combined, Paul George and Kawhi which is combined for just 27% shooting in the second half without scoring in the fourth quarters. I'm going to say something here, and, you know, y'all can say what you will. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Let's say both of those guys are over-fucking-rated. And um, I hate to say it, and I felt, and this is why I felt in my heart that Kawhi should have stayed in Toronto. I felt Toronto was truly the best team that fit his needs. Uh, I knew it from day one. He is not. He is not a one the guy, and I would not form my franchise around him. For one, he's not necessarily the greatest offensive talent. He has slipped defensively, and he has the nerve to want to take off a quarter of your season. I would never build a team around somebody that selfish. And I've given them a path for so many years because he's not necessarily cocky. He doesn't just, you know, he's not, you know, carrying, you know, carrying it a certain way. But I've looking at this series and looking at when the going gets tough, I don't see where he's ignited as a leader. I've seen Durant. I've seen Steph Curry. I've seen LeBron. I've seen different players, even, you know, uh, Draymond Green, not necessarily a player on his status, but I've seen him, you know, even somebody <clears throat> of that caliber as a player, but <clears throat> as a man, I've seen him as a, and as, as a man, as a competitor and as a challenger, I've seen somebody like a Draymond Green rise up and command his players and snap at his players and get at him to do better. I've never seen that from him and they call him a leader. Um, I'm not going to get to this, get into the discussion of is he still be, or who's the best player in the league, LeBron. That proves LeBron is this, proves LeBron is that. Because I'm going to tell you like this, I'm not into all that no more. My bold prediction now is I see the the, the Nuggets and the Heat in the NBA Finals because I feel like these are the two most complete teams, and they play the very best basketball. Fuck who's on the team. Fuck the name. I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting really tired of people always pushing these names and these super teams and all this and that and the other. They don't even play well together. Jimmy Butler is a consummate leader and he's led his team too thick and thin. I might get at him a little bit for his attitude, but obviously his 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 teammates rise to the rise to the occasion countless times again and again. And his team scores balanced in every way. This is these both of these teams, the Nuggets and the Heat, bring a certain joy because to me because they remind me of a team that I really liked and got that really helped me uh, understand basketball and like basketball as well. I am a Portland Trailblazers fan at the end of the day, but I truly love the 0-1-0-2 Kings, a team that had a lot of different pieces and anybody could step up at a given time and help pull out a win. Now, I'm pretty sure the NBA 
knowing who they are, might try to rig this because of Kobe's death. I'm going to say it right right now. And because of, you know, LeBron, and they want to ride his nuts still. And again, he does, as much as I like him as a player, I'm done with the media riding his nuts too. So I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure how they might try to play this, but I think the Nuggets and the, and the Heat are the most deserving teams to win an NBA title at this point in time. I've watched the Nuggets since last year. They've been competitive. This is this is pretty much the same team. They've ran it back. They've actually gotten better. That is what you want to see from any team. Same thing with the Heat. They took their lumps last year. They remained together. They got better. They worked at their craft. They have a good leader. They have good leadership. They have good coaching, and that is what happens. They come back even stronger. You look at the you look at the Rockets. They're built for failure. You have two players who potentially choke every. They choke. They're they're nothing but chokers. James Harden, Russell Westbrook, chokers. They choked in Oklahoma City together. They choked in Houston together. But they have the big time name. They have the cachet of popularity. They'll give you Instagram likes. Is that really what you want to base your team on? Go ahead. That's why your team is out of the playoffs. That's why you don't have a coach. Oh, Kawhi is going to change everything. He's the claw. He's this. He didn't even want to play half the time. And the playoffs, it shows up. Look at him. He looked pissed, right? But he's mad at himself because he didn't step up to the plate. He's mad because he could not reach his teammates. I'd be mad too. Especially if I was de declared to be the king of the league and better than LeBron and this, that, and the other. And again, none of that matters. Because he's gone. Giannis, gone. I think LeBron could be gone. Just because of the way these teams, I'm telling you, they play really well. I'm telling you, don't sleep on these nuggets, man. Don't do it. I'm warning you guys. All right, y'all. I'm going to call it a wrap for today. I am working on my versus episode, Godfather versus uh, the Mafia. Uh, of course, my video game battle. We're going to talk about that in a couple of days, uh, possibly tomorrow, just uh, depending on how everything comes together for me. Uh, but that's what we're working on now. Of course, we're going to be having uh, some playoff coverage here. That will be on the podcast. Of course, my versus uh, between you know Godfather and Mafia, that will be on the YouTube channel. Uh, look me up there. L Jamal, you will find me there. E L J A M A H. Again, this is never out of bounds. This is your man L Jamal. Hope you guys have a good rest of your day. Peace out. One love. If, I, if anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you, and I'll let y'all soon.